Welcome to episode 39 of Cinebabble. I am Ken, your host, and as always is my co-host, Clint. Clint is sitting across the table from me. How are you feeling today, Clint? I'm doing great, Ken. I'm here with you. That's wonderful. That's, oh, that, thank you. Yeah. That was very great. anticlimactic, though. It's just like, I'm great. I'm great. I'm good. I'm great. Well, I mean, um, it's been an interesting weekend. My wife and I, we got a new cat. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like kitten, kitten? Kit- or? It's, yeah, it's four months old, so... We've been talking about it for a little while after the loss of our dog, and so... A way to bring the podcast down, Clint. <laughs> well, we were a kitten, and then you were like, oh, and it's because... We have a dead dog. No. <laughs> so, yeah, we got a cat, and that's kind of fun. Right. It brings a little joy into our lives for the okay. moment. I had a similar adventure yeah. in that the, there was no kitten involved, but my wife had <laughs> Doesn't surgery. Doesn't sound similar at all. <laughs> my wife had surgery. I had to stay in a hotel, and normally I dread hotels because... The televisions are terrible. Yeah. And I end up just watching my phone. But for some reason, this particular hotel and this particular television, I am convinced that whoever runs maid services at this hotel just goes through and calibrates every TV because it was perfect. Yeah. And uh, we're going to do a little bonus episode, I believe, of – uh, Midnight Mass on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And actually, that's where I watched the last two episodes. Okay. And I was prepared to not watch the last two episodes if it just looked like crap, but it looked incredible. And so I was just, I don't know. I yeah. just, I was, hey, look at this. Other than that, uh, I, I didn't You get are a, very particular about your I really settings. Am. I, yeah. I am. That was from all the years of, of reviewing, and it just, it turned me into this monster. I, I can't even sit in the theater without sitting there noticing little refractions or or artifacts or oh there's a there's a bright spot in the screen or it just it completely ruins the experience yeah as long as it's in focus i'm pretty good yeah it just don't i i recommend highly to anyone don't go down the calibration rabbit hole because it just ruins everything for yeah. you um i mean it's great when it's great but usually unless it's your setup it's not great mm-hmm. man i know <laughs> So, uh, for the last two weeks, we have been in 1994, and Clint and I always enjoy our trip backwards. We were planning to stay in the present for this entire episode, but uh, we have a little bit of a, a mailbag because we got we got some uh, mail, and there's one in particular I'd like to to tackle. It's Were all these questions from one person? All these questions were from one person. Now, there were other emails from different people, but this was the only one where they asked questions. And just for the record, I love questions. Were they mostly just saying, like, you guys are awful? No. No, Clint. They love us. (laughs) They really enjoy what we have to offer. Generally, if people are listening to episode 37 and part two – you know, 38, yeah. it's because they enjoy you. Hmm. I, I think it's just people like Men for Men who jump in and listen to five minutes <laughs> we of an episode. We giving him way too much airtime. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. Uh, but <laughs> but this, uh, this particular uh, email came in and uh, the gentleman's name is John, but is not the John that we know uh, hmm. unless he's really being tricksy here. Uh, But he just says, hey, guys, great podcast. Love listening as always. Definitely don't think you're derivative and insipid. (laughs) See? See? Uh, I just had a couple of questions. Was curious if you guys would have fun talking about it. Number one, what are 90s movies that you consider to be underrated? What are some 90s movies you consider overrated? 
If you could pick three 1994 movies to be remade today, what would they be and who would you cast in the leads? And just because he hasn't already given us enough homework, what movies from the 90s were ruined or almost ruined by one scene or one performance? Well, John, uh, we have decided to actually go through because we just we couldn't we couldn't shake off '94. We had to stay in the '90s, and we couldn't think of anything better to do. Yeah, so. we couldn't. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was a slow what you watch him week, and so uh, we decided to tackle all these. So let's start with the first one. Uh, what are some '90s movies that you consider to be underrated? Underrated, Clint. Uh, would you would you come up with there? Do you want me to run through them or yeah, sure? Okay, yeah, sure. Well, I don't know if they all fall under the category of like maybe like critically panned or. Well, how did you define underrated? Well, some of them I did go like maybe they had a, a really bad Rotten Tomatoes review. Mm-hmm. Some I just feel like haven't don't been talked about as much, or maybe they're like lesser on like the in a director's like catalog. You know what I mean? So the first one I had was Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me by David Lynch, Mm -hmm. which I feel like people kind of consider that maybe a lesser of his films. But I honestly, I really like that movie. Um, I mean, it's kind of a departure from the tone of the show. But I think in context to this, like the story, I think it makes a lot of sense. And I like kind of it's just like almost a straight horror movie. Um, I think it's really cool. Yeah, it it even honestly works without the series. I mean, obviously yeah, it's yeah. made better with the series, right. but the first time I saw it, um, I think the first two times I saw it, I had not watched the series. Mm-hmm. This was back a while ago, but uh, but thought it was really good and weird and interesting. And yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, again, enjoyed it more once you you understand kind of some more of the context. But mm-hmm. because it it largely takes place as a as a prequel. Uh, a lot of that doesn't really retroactively matter. Well, I mean, especially the content of it about this teenage <laughs> girl getting killed. I mean, I mean, the show does a really good job of balancing like the comedy and like the mm-hmm. lighter moments of it. But always when it goes back to that in the show, it has the weight it needs. And so since the movie is kind of just centered on that, it makes sense to me that like it's it's a pretty heavy movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, that's a good pick because a lot of times people don't discuss it as a standalone movie or, yeah. or give it its own credit. It's sort of lumped in with the rest of the series. So the next I had was The Game by David Fincher. Ah, I almost put that on my list, and I'm yeah. so happy you did. Um, I don't know. I just – I think kind of the same thing where I feel like it's not talked about as much mm-hmm. as his – maybe it's because one of his earlier films, and it's just not mentioned as much as, you know, like Seven or Fight Club or anything. Yeah. yeah. And I'm trying to remember what order they came out. I feel like Seven came out in 96 – and the game maybe came out in 97 or vice versa, but they were very close together. Mm-hmm. I think I may have even seen them in, in the same you know kind of span of a couple of months. Right. And I remember – I mean that was at the time I was in high school. I had no idea they were from the same director, mm-hmm. but loved both of them for different reasons. Yeah. And later then you know, found out, oh, these are both Venture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's, you would kind a, of maybe not guess that at first yeah. until you get really deep into like see more of his films and yeah. you can see like his tonal palette and just the mood that he sets. It's it's quieter and more reserved. Yeah. I'm guessing that's why it's just it's not as sexy as, you know, Fight Club and, and Seven and, and right. these things that that had much more lasting images for people. Um, next was Contact. Oh, with Jodie Foster yeah, and, by and Robert, Matthew Robert Zemeckis. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. That movie really, like, I feel like captures the, like, vastness of space mm-hmm. and that idea of, like, sending out these signals and just how it slowly goes more surreal as it goes, like, goes along. And um, 
Yeah, I think that's a really hidden gem of a movie, yeah. not mentioned very often. Uh, double featuring 2001 with Contact is yeah, a really yeah. good pairing. Mm-hmm. Um, they both have that kind of that that drive to reach out and, and push on. They're very different movies, don't mm-hmm. get me wrong, but it just it, – it they circle a lot of the same themes. Yeah. Um, and I, I appreciate how heady Contact is. I know. And I really like how it's very grounded at the beginning and it's mm-hmm. just about this woman's search yeah. through in space and, you know, uh, in life. And then it gets really kind of um, – big sci-fi ideas by the end. Well, and I I feel like something like Prometheus tried that where it was trying to tackle grief and other things, but it didn't feel as – a lot of movies do that, but it never feels as as kind of uh, weave or or woven together Mm -hmm. like it does in something like Contact or or a Solaris or something like that where it's really kind of taking – the human journey and pairing it with kind of these larger ideas. Mm -hmm. I I always enjoy that. Um, Another Fincher is Alien 3. Ah, Alien 3 is top of my list for underrated, yeah. I I know like compared to the other Aliens, it feels like a very strange movie. Mm -hmm. And I I understand you could be disappointed by it after seeing Alien and Aliens. Um, But there's a tone. I mean, it's a Fincher tone to that movie. And there's like this somberness and like it – it's playing with different things. And I'm, I know he's probably not happy with that film with all the, the uh, uh, intrusion he had from like the uh, studio and everything, but I feel like it works. I, I don't yeah. know. There's just like a very interesting tone to that film and it's playing with a lot of different things. Yeah. It's I, cool. I always had a soft spot for alien three and I can understand people not enjoying it as much, Yeah, but people really dump on this movie mm-hmm. and I, I've never gotten that. It's, it's a really, well acted and well cast and and shot movie. I, you know, maybe not the best of effects. That's right when they're moving from a lot of practical to to CG or or even some of the compositing. But I, I just I really enjoy it. And I would have been frustrated if it was just a repeat of Alien or Aliens. Right. I like that. That's one of those few series where it feels like every entry they're really trying to do something different. Mm-hmm. It doesn't always work, but I, I at least appreciate that when I go in, I, I'm not I'm not feeling like I've already seen this. Right. Uh, I mean, I even enjoy the different. fourth one. Yeah. Like there's uh, there is a very different tone to that one too. I mean, it st- starts to go back kind of towards the that's formula the French Alien movie. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. what I like about yeah. it because I love that director. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the Alien movies. Um, Well, I haven't seen this movie since I was a kid, but I was just going through movies and saw how horribly this movie is regarded. Um, So Hook. Uh, Yes. And I was so surprised. And I I was like, it can't be as bad as people are saying. It's not. I didn't didn't think so. I I watch this almost religiously every year. I love Hook. Mm -hmm. Hook, uh, I mean, just clockwork makes me cry yeah yeah uh, and just gives me all the feels and it's just it's it is very 90s mm-hmm. but it's just all practical and it's it's a delight it's just mm-hmm. fun and yeah they dumped on it when it came out uh and and i wonder if it was because spielberg's name's attached to it oh, it's okay. almost like the insult of this isn't serious enough for a filmmaker like you steven mm-hmm. why would you put out this children's bleh? I, that's that's always what I feel from the the reviews and stuff of it. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I didn't know anything about that. I mean, it was kind of a Clifford situation where I'm watching this growing up and just I would re- like religiously watch it, yeah. like probably once a week when I was yeah. that age. 
So, uh, yeah, I, I love Hook. Um, this goes back to uh, another episode we were talking about, but I think Bill and Ted's bogus journey is a lot more fun than people give it credit for. Yeah, I just I can't get into it, but but defend it. Give me give me your, your I best mean, shot. I think Bill and Ted are fun, and I, it has a lot of really cool, like, practical effects from that time period that, like, I think are still really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the whole going to the afterlife and dealing with death is really fun. And um, I don't know. I, I can't say, like, I can't turn you on to it. Like, I I, I don't know. <laughs> I Honestly, I, I've tried it so many times. Yeah. I think it's just not for me. But. Yeah. I mean, I came – I never had seen it before. So, like, I had no a pre – like, conceived notion about it or anything. So Well, and I remember going to see it in the theater, and we loved Excellent Adventure – and then we were excited and went to the theater. And I remember being disappointed in the theater, but just because of expectations, mm-hmm. I just don't think I've ever been able to escape that that original uh, just dissatisfaction with it. Mm-hmm. I think that's just what whatever the opposite of nostalgia is, disnostalgia, <laughs> unnostalgia. Uh, what I don't know. Anyway, whatever the opposite of nostalgia is, that's what I feel for it. Okay. And uh, you know, my loss because a lot yeah. of people love it. Hmm. Maybe one day you'll come around. One day. Yeah. I, I guess. I think it's bed. those Superman 3 androids. I just hate those Superman 3 robots or whatever they are. Mm. Bill and Ted. Just. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Um, <laughs> the next movie. And Way I to dismiss. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, next movie. <laughs> I'm moving this along. Yeah. Um, that next movie, and I know you're probably going to have feelings about this, but I think Wyatt Earp is pretty good. Really? Yeah. I watched it a couple years ago. I had never seen it before, mm-hmm. and I actually really enjoyed it. I thought it was – I know people say it's kind of overlong and mm-hmm. stuffed, but I think it kind of like those movies from that that time period where it feels like a big epic. It, like I feel yeah. like it captures that big um, wide open range, the West, and all that stuff. I'm just biased. I, I've never been able to watch it without – I mean, performance for performance, beat for beat, comparing it to Tombstone. Yeah. And I just – I always feel like I'm sitting there like Kevin Costner's a better – or excuse me, Kurt Russell's a better Wyatt Earp and uh, Val Kilmer's a better Doc Holliday. And, I, I don't know. Uh, I like it for – it's like it's not trying to be what Tombstone was. I think it's a completely different tone and kind of a more grounded, like not as pulpy version of it. Yeah, that's, that's good because it definitely feels like they're trying to do more of a, a bio or a, a biopic or biopic or biopic. Oh, anyway, mm-hmm. um, it feels like they're trying to do much more of that and show a little more uh, gradient to the the characters than Tombstone's very. It's 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 much more of your traditional. Movie it's a Western. very focused like story. Yeah, um, yeah and Wyatt Earp's more sprawling. Yeah. And um, I watched this a few years ago and uh, Tank Girl. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've yeah. never seen it. Yeah. I thought it's it's definitely kind of got that 90s feel to it. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like in the middle of like grunge and it's got that kind of flavor. Um, but for like a little indie, like kind of sci-fi post-apocalyptic movie, that's it's pretty like cartoony and like comic booky. And I think that's kind of interesting for the time. There wasn't many movies like that. It's very... I don't know. It's it's fun. It's been described to me as the mask meets Mad Max. Yeah. Is that an accurate? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah. It's not like the mask not grading in any way. Mm-hmm. Like there's definitely that kind of cartoonishness to mm-hmm. it. 
but it's interesting set against a post-apocalyptic landscape. Um, and the last one, I this is a movie we watched together, and I honestly can't like say I remember this fully. I I feel like it was better than I thought it was going to be, um, but mimic. <laughs> And I think it's oh, just it, as like an interesting seeing Guillermo del Toro's like early work yeah. and like it was like his first American made <laughs> film, I guess. Right. Yes. And maybe it's like I just enjoyed watching it with you, but I feel I, like it was better than I thought it was. It was probably much better. I think the running joke that we had is there's there's the little <laughs> Hasidic Jewish kid that has autism and clacks spoons together and can sort of communicate. Yeah. And I think I think that night, if I recall, we really got latched onto this little kid and his spoons. Yeah. The, and he, uh, this that Jewish boy loved his spoons. He, he loved those spoons. And and I think uh I think that really distracted me from being able to <laughs> yeah, yeah. evaluate mimic properly. <laughs> yeah, but it, I feel like it was fun just from that the angle yeah. of seeing like and there's a lot of fun stuff with the creature, like yeah. the like it, that was more interesting than I thought it was going to be, and went in a direction I wasn't expecting. Well, and that's one for Guillermo del Toro. The, it's sort of like the Fincher with the game, yeah. where it comes out in between Chronos, uh, which gets a lot of mm-hmm. of coverage and love, and some of his later stuff once he started coming to the U.S., especially you know your Hellboys and things like that. Was that uh, after or before like the Devil's Backbone? I want to say Mimic was '97. It would have been right at the same time, roundabout as Devil's Backbone, but I feel like Devil's Backbone was 98 or 99. Okay. But even that definitely overshadowed Mimic. Mimic, I think, was just this little genre pick that that kind of hit the U.S. and, and, well, and it wasn't horror one fans of, liked it. And but. it wasn't like his original thing, right? I don't know. I can't like, remember that one. I feel like it was just he just jumped in to do it. He probably jumped in to do it because the thing that feels the most him in that movie is the designs and the creature. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that that wouldn't surprise me, but I'm not sure. Okay, that's all I had for that. Okay. Uh, my underrated's Alien 3, which mm-hmm. we already talked about. Uh, Dark City, which uh, one, gets, gets kind of forgotten. Uh, but two, I didn't realize it came out in 97 two years before The Matrix. I thought, for some reason, I thought The Matrix inspired Dark City. No. But it's the other way yeah. around. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dark City inspired The Matrix. They even reused some set pieces and some costumes and things like that mm. I was reading. Uh, but it was just really interesting because I I think, you know, without context, you would just assume, okay, lots of black trench coats and, you know, the, the sort of uh cyberpunk sci-fi anime influences they're all things that the Wachowskis really latched onto with the matrix mm-hmm. um but even a, even apart from that it's just it's a great little sci-fi yarn yeah um i almost put that on my list but it yeah. i feel like it in my head i feel like it is not i don't know it gets more praise than and maybe overlooked is is a, a better term it's for that than determine. underrated. Yeah, it's hard to determine um, what. I just you know for me it's like when when you see lists of really influential '90s films, yeah. I always see The Matrix, mm-hmm. and I don't often see Dark City. Yeah, and so I feel like The Matrix and and The Matrix is a more refined movie. Yeah, and definitely pushes things further. But Dark City has a lot of things in it. When I went back and watched it. Um, couple of months ago that I was just really surprised 
uh, how how advanced that movie is for the time. Yeah, I really enjoy that movie. Yeah. I actually like that better than The Matrix. Really? Yeah. Oh wow. There's a that tone is probably to that. a very unpopular opinion, but yeah, I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, now I got to figure out which one I like better. <laughs> I love them both. I've just never thought to compare them. Uh, and and the other one is not underrated on its own. It's underrated when you look at any kind of article or coverage of this director's films, and it's Rushmore. And Rushmore sort of it's, – it's not that it gets forgotten. It just you hear a lot more about Wes Anderson's later movies. Hmm. And Rushmore seems to be just this kind of stepping stone mm-hmm. film like Bottle Rocket. And uh, he, he doesn't start getting a lot of uh, coverage on things or really you know, kind of a credit to his style and things like that until you get to Royal Tenenbaums and beyond. Mm. But Rushmore just remains uh, – and I've got special place in my heart for it. But it just always remains this very special movie to me. And I think the only movie that Wes Anderson's done that's that surpassed it for me is Grand Budapest. Oh, really? Um but otherwise, Rushmore is is always the the kind of pinnacle I think of when I think of him. Well, right, that movie, like pretty much all Wes Anderson movies, they're like especially Rushmore. I think that was the mm-hmm. first one I'd seen. Is on my like top five movies of all time. Yeah. So I I couldn't like in my head I never even considered it because yeah. in my head it is like one of the best yeah. movies ever made so I never even would think to put it on a list. It's it's that way for me. I I guess I just because it's so good to me. Yeah. I get frustrated when I don't see it getting the same level of of adoration mm. as other things. And and even now if you read kind of when when they write about Rushmore it's it's a, you know, 4 out of 5 kind of movie hmm. is is the way that it really comes across in retro reviews and and different things like that. And he gets gets a lot more credit later on. And I, I read a lot where it's like, oh, he's still developing his style in Rushmore. And I I just don't see it. When I rush when I watch Rushmore, I see a very you know con- concise and and consistent kind of uh, cohesion to everything he's doing. I I don't get the feeling I know he goes on to develop uh, more of his style, but yeah. just looking at Rushmore, there's nothing there that suggests it's lacking. No, it doesn't feel like it's lacking, but I can understand that compared to the later work because yeah. the later work is so precise in the camera movements and everything. And, and that has it, but like now it's just a stop motion film. Yeah. It's like you could, I don't know, take all the people out and just have, you know, <laughs> the dolls in there. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just dress up time, but, <laughs> but not in a bad way. I love the new movie, like this newer work, but I feel like you can see there is a development from that point. Um, it's a little bit more naturalistic, and I don't know. Um, yeah, it it there's there's entire sequences and scenes where it feels much more just handheld camera. Yeah, yeah, and following characters, and and they're eccentric and quirky. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in that Wes Anderson, very Wes Anderson style. Yeah, yeah, but not in a way that quite like the later films where. The later films feel like a storybook. Mm-hmm. Rushmore never feels like a storybook. No, no. It just feels like here's some very rich and eccentric characters uh, or or entitled or whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. um, you know, in, in, in their oddities. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. So that was, that was all I did for underrated. What do you have for overrated? Well, I don't really – I have any specific movies. Mm. I have – 
some movies that are contain an, a similar element that I can't get into. So okay. um, pretty much all the Adam Sandler movies from this time movie, <laughs> this time period. I, yeah. I can never get into even it. Happy Gilmore. No. Okay. I, I could never get into any of his comedies. Mm -hmm. And we already talked about it, but basically all the Jim Carrey movies mm -hmm. from this time period. It's just it's just a chunk of comedy that just have never like latched onto my brain and I just never can get into. I've I've been thinking about that since we talked about the Jim Carrey movies. And another thing, and when you bring up Adam Sandler, it's the same thing. It it just feels like somebody has turned the TV all the way up. Mm-hmm. And it never there's there's never any change to the volume. It's every bit of the comedy is as loud and in your face as possible. Yeah. And yeah. Adam Sandler movies, those those movies uh, definitely have that element to mm -hmm. them. I I have a soft spot for Happy Gilmore, but objectively, it's not a great movie. It just for some reason makes me laugh. Yeah. Yeah. And I think because like at the time I'm watching like Clifford and like um, Bill Murray movies and Steve Martin movies and there's a different subtlety to those and and then getting later into like the Christopher Guest movies and it's just completely different like the other side of the world on comedy. It's just like there's a subtlety to it and like you have to kind of like really dig in to kind of get the jokes at moments where you're like, was that a joke? And then later it's sticking in your head and yep. then you're like, man, that's so funny. And somebody like, yeah. So it's just a completely different world than for me. So that's all I had for that. Okay. Uh, for my overrated, uh, these are ones that, that I could rant about, but mm -hmm. I'm going to refrain <laughs> as best I can from dragging this poor podcast out into and I'm a rant. I'm going to try to push you movies. into ranting. <laughs> Are you? All right. Number one, Titanic. I almost did that one. <sighs> yeah. I, I get that this is a decent movie. Yeah. This is not a two or three billion dollar movie. Mm -hmm. And I hate that this is the most popular and, and successful piece of cinema mm -hmm. that I, it, it just, it's, it's so generic to me. Yeah. Even at the time, I thought it was good, but I thought it was generic. And I remember all these little teen couples weeping over it and going to see it multiple times. Sure. I sat past a certain point. I feel like that about a lot of James Cameron's films. Really? Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I noticed when I was looking back at all the different movies he's made, he has this run in the early or late 80s, early 90s. Yeah. Terminator, T2. Yeah. Uh, aliens, mm -hmm. uh, um, True Lies, and The Abyss. Mm -hmm. And after that, there's, there's something different. Mm -hmm. uh, and maybe it was just... Well, it gets tied up so much in just like the technical yeah. side of it. And I mean, that can be interesting, but like um, the Avatar movie, like, okay, it's like the best 3D looking movie that's come out, but... Is it's not a good story, and and like I can't believe there's like whatever amount coming next. I know, I know. Um, second one, Forrest Gump, which we <laughs> already talked about. Uh, Forrest Gump is not as good as you think, and everybody just needs to take a deep breath and realize it is decent, but it is saccharine. And the only thing that makes that movie uh, really good is is Tom Hanks. Mm -hmm. and, and the the cast is good, but I just, uh, anyway, uh, the third one is probably less less of a popular opinion, uh, but Edward Scissorhands. 
Oh, man. I, I love that movie. I know you do. Yeah. I know. Uh, again, really good movie. I just don't get the, I watch this once a year, and this is one of my favorite movies. And this is kind of a beloved 90s classic. And it's one that I, I very much enjoyed the first time through. But on repeat watches, it, it doesn't have a lot of of layers for me or a lot to to come back to. and. Hmm. I really just loved the world of that movie. And that was like when I was starting to really get into, like it was my early teens and I'm getting to watch movies on my own and pick things. And I, I found that one and I was just so blown away by the world in that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so so that's kind of my overrated. Uh, did, you didn't have any other overrated? No. Okay. There's probably way more. Yeah. But yeah. I, I always have a hard time. I have a much easier time with underrated because yeah. I enjoy defending movies that I feel like have gotten uh, you know, bad coverage or whatever. But overrated, it's even then somebody loves Titanic and somebody loves Forrest Gump and somebody – you love Edward Scissorhands mm-hmm. and you know, good on you. Uh, this is the one I had fun with. If you could pick three 1994 movies to be remade today, what would they be and who would you cast in the leads? I think we should take turns on this one. Okay. Because, uh, man, I had good time with this. <laughs> so you want to go first? Sure. All right. How many did you do? I did three. Okay, I did three. Okay. Um, my first one was Stargate, which Ooh. I already, already talked about. Okay. Not because I think the movie's bad, but it'd be, I think it is a movie that would be fun to see remade mm-hmm. currently. Um, and I wanted to be directed by Alex Garland, who did Annihilation. And I think he could do something really interesting with that. Yeah. And uh, I only came up with, I think Adam Driver should be the James Spader role. <laughs> And I think Kurt Russell should return, like, as an older man. Okay. And I'm not quite sure what the story would be. Maybe they have to go back and, like, and now um, Adam Driver has been, like, investigating into it and how to get back. And now they have – I don't know what the mission is. So more of, like, a reboot. Well, I don't know. It could be, like, maybe they go back to this planet that is, you know, completely taken on the characteristics of ancient Egypt or they go to another another. Okay. Like it could be a whole new different sci-fi world. I can fully picture Adam Driver in this role because uh, Midnight Special. Yeah, that's exactly and what his, I had in his head. his kind of head. scientist character yeah. or his agent or whatever. Yeah, yeah. That. Okay. I like that. Uh, my first one was Interview with a Vampire. Uh-huh. And that's solely because I, I like Interview with a Vampire. We talked about that last time. Uh, but I always feel like Brad Pitt's kind of sleepy. Uh, so my Interview with a Vampire uh, would, would be directed by... Um, uh, Taika Waititi, uh, and we're gonna go a little bit more on the <laughs> okay, the, uh, what we do in the shadows direction. Yeah. I don't know if that's gonna match my cast very well, yeah. but I, I really think he could pull it off. Uh, but my Louis is played by Michael B. Jordan. My Lestat is Chris Evans, probably in a you know Victorian cable knit. I mm-hmm. don't know. Um, the little girl from Logan, Daphne Keene, would be Claudia. And then as the older, kind of wiser vampire Armand, I have Keanu Reeves, specifically so he could redeem his accent work from Bram Stoker's Dracula. Mm-hmm. Uh, because that poor man got raked over the coals for that. And I love that movie, but I totally get the hate. That for... might come up later in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but that's that's my interview with the vampire. So what's your second? Um, I would like to see the mask remade. Okay. And But I wanted them to use – there was an unused um, 
idea initially for this film by the creators mm-hmm. of the comic book that they were when they were pitching the idea for making this a, uh, into a movie. And it was a mask maker who take or who took faces off the corpses of corpses to put them on teens to turn them into zombies. And that was an initial idea. That sounds incredible. That was an idea that they wanted to use for the film. So I want James Wan to direct this. <laughs> and um, I want uh, Nick Cage as the mask maker. And I want nice. um, Adam Driver to play a reporter. So <laughs> just just shoving yeah, Adam. Driver I don't have in there like everywhere. specific like role like you do like mm-hmm. ro- people filling in roles. So I, I just want to throw Adam Driver in there as okay. a reporter. All right. No, I appreciate that. Yeah. Adam Driver needs more work. Mm-hmm. So uh, he just that Star Wars <laughs> money isn't enough. Uh, my my second one is what we uh, reviewed last week in the Mouth of Madness. Mm-hmm. And it, again, just like you said, this is not because I don't. The the first one stands alone, but there's just certain things about it where I could really see some newer actors having fun with it. Yeah. And I could also see uh, some some just updates to some of the visuals and stuff. I would be interested to see not a shot for shot remake by any means, but just how somebody would kind of come in here and play in this world. Um, I my my director mindset was Alex Garland, yeah, uh, or or somebody along the lines of a uh, James Wan, mm-hmm. and um, playing the role of of Sam Neill's Trent would be Leonardo DiCaprio in full Wolf on Wall Street. I'm losing my mind mode. Yeah, um, well, that's Shutter Island. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I actually didn't connect that, but you're totally right. Um, and he does it in The Departed too. I realized oh, really? reading a, an interview with him uh, that he had he had mentioned for The Departed, he just acted like he was having a, a round the clock panic attack. Mm. And yep, that that tracks with that performance. Uh, Tilda Swinton, I have as Linda, the the weird kind of uh, pseudo love interest that that goes along with uh, with Sam Neill's character. And then for Sutter Kane, I have Charles Dance of Game of Thrones fame. Uh, who played uh, Tywin Lannister. And so, mm-hmm. um, oh, he was, I mean, he was also in uh, Last Action Hero and he's been in a lot of stuff. But yeah. I, I love Charles Dance. So that's my second one. What do you got for number three? My third one is Time Cop. <laughs> and I want it to be directed by Ryan Johnson and it would be take place in the Looper universe. I love it. So love it, it would be- I am this, buying a ticket now. It would just be the cops angle of this and they're going and- um, and I want Joaquin Phoenix to play the Max Walker role of that Van Damme played. And then um, Adam Driver is going to come in as a new character named Detective Blick, Riffic, Blick Rifkin that I just made up. <laughs> Blick Rifkin. <laughs> yeah. So I immediately pictured there's the thing, the one scene that dates Time Cop more than any other scene. He is standing in his kitchen, I believe, in his tidy whities uh-huh. and he's attacked, and he has to do this. He does this leap split like onto on the, the counter, counters, yeah. And I just want you to know, I don't think Joaquin Phoenix could do this that. This is going to be a completely different. Tone. Okay, it's not going to be an action movie. Even in it's Joker be, shape, he's yeah. not going to. He's not going to make that jump. No. Okay. Yeah, I, it's going to be more in the Looper universe. So okay. it's more. It's headier. Okay. Yeah. So so this this is all together. Uh, a retro 90s Adam Driver trilogy mm-hmm. is what I'm hearing. Okay. Uh, my third one we also reviewed last week, and it's The Professional. Because I've been thinking about everything you said, and you're absolutely right. Uh, this movie just has all the creepiness. Mm-hmm. And so I just wanted to get in there and completely change it up. 
I have no idea who the director is, but hear me out. Uh, the little girl, Matilda, is played by Quiet Place's Millicent Simmons. Uh-huh. And she's deaf. Mm-hmm. And so what we're dealing with here, instead of it being this, oh, it's just the age gap and all that, it's language barrier, it's it's everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and how do two people learn how to communicate? And uh, just to double down on that a little more, uh, in the role of Leon, I would want Joe Taslim or Iko Uase, who are the ones from the Raid movies. Oh, okay. And uh-huh. uh, let's just throw some more language issues in there. <laughs> and while we got somebody who can speak lots of languages in the role of Stansfield, which was Gary Oldman, let's just throw Christopher Waltz in there, Christoph Waltz, in uh, in full, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, you know, in glorious good... mode. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, that I have no idea. It it it's you got to have the right screenwriter because that's a terrible movie. Otherwise, <laughs> there's a lot of elements there. But somewhere in there, I'm telling you, is uh, something that will distract you from the fact that this little girl falls in love with a man and and he has to say, "No, little girl, you're a little girl." Here's a dress. <laughs> mixed message, mixed Ooh. signals being given there. Ooh. All right. And finally, uh, what movies from the 90s were ruined or almost ruined by one scene or one performance? Uh, This one, I'll just rattle through mine. Mm -hmm. Uh, Dracula was almost ruined by poor Keanu Reeves. That's mine. Uh, It's Oh, was it yours? Yeah. Well, now I feel bad for stealing it. No, it's okay. That's why you said we were going to talk about it later. It's it's pretty bad when you go back. I love that movie. I can't watch that movie because of it. Really? Yeah. Oh, so it actually yeah. ruined it for you. Like, there's, like, I had a really hard time with this because usually I'm like, not that distracted by a bad actor. Like, it has to be really bad. In this one, I'm like, <laughs> I, the whole time I cannot take my eyes off of him. So I'm just like, I can't watch this movie. Okay. For me, that movie is my next one, which is Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves with mm-hmm. Kevin Costner. Oh, yeah. As Robin of Loxley. I loved this movie mm-hmm. when I was a teenager. I loved this movie in college. I had forgotten about this movie for a long time, but I I went back recently and watched it. And good Lord, is Kevin Costner... Real, real, real bad in this movie. <laughs> um, uh, you know, kudos to Morgan Freeman and to Alan Rickman, but mm-hmm. man, Kevin Costner. Have you seen it at any? Yeah, have you seen I've it? seen it. I, I, but it's been so long. I just, just go watch ten minutes of yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> all you gotta do. Uh, you think Keanu Reeves is is distracting in Dracula? Oh, is he Kevin doing Costner. a weird accent or something? It's one of those. It's almost Carrie Fisher. In New Hope, mm. where every now and then you hear that, oh, he he is trying an accent, mm. but otherwise you would never know it. Okay, uh, he has kind of the rhythms and and some of the the vernacular of somebody mm-hmm. that would be using an accent, but it's very very strange. Uh, the third one is is kind of a popular choice. Uh, Godfather Three, uh, Sofia Coppola, poor girl, mm. was just shoved in by her uh, family, mm. and you know has just gotten the blame for. That entire movie. But really, when you look at it, that movie's just got problems all over the place. Mm, I've never seen that one. Really? No. It's um. They released a different cut of it that's supposedly much better. Mm-hmm. Um, I have it. I just I haven't gone through and actually watched it. It's it's not a – that's one of those that, that probably gets over-abused. Mm. It's not as bad as people say. It just – it it doesn't touch the first two. Mm. Al Pacino's great, uh, but, but other than that. And then finally, uh, we just talked about this the other week, uh, almost, almost ruins. Uh, there's that scene in Pulp Fiction where Tarantino oh, yeah. steps in and plays Jimmy. 
And every time I go back and watch Pulp Fiction, I just, I cringe a little bit every time he's on the screen. Mm -hmm. And I just, I wish that would be a different actor, maybe a different part, different dialogue, whatever it is. That's the only thing in that movie that just, just feels a, feels a little toxic. Yeah. I just, I don't know. Did you have any others? Well, I only, and this might be kind of an easy target, but Steven Seagal in any role. <laughs> there's just a, something about Steven Seagal I cannot deal with. And there's an over seriousness to, mm-hmm. is not fun. Do you remember Executive Decision with Kurt Russell? Yeah. That's the one where they're up in the air and Steven Seagal dies in the first 15 minutes. <laughs> and I remember at the time people were shocked. This was a big plot twist. And, oh, we thought he was the hero. Uh-huh. And I just remember sitting in the theater thinking, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> I did not want to sit and watch this poor man bumble his way through yet another script. Because yeah. he's not a good actor <laughs> at all. And my other one was Keanu in Dracula. Okay. So. Okay. Poor Keanu. Yeah. He, I I don't know if he's a better actor now. I mean, he is, but I think it's much more he just has learned how to pick parts. Mm -hmm. I think at the time he was doing the same thing kind of Brad Pitt and all of them were doing, which is trying to be the next big actor Mm -hmm. and instead of figuring out what their voice was and and picking roles accordingly. Because they, that whole batch of actors did that at the time and they've gone on to do much, much better work. Mm -hmm. Um. Once they got past the, are we famous? Uh, (laughs) Yeah, sure. Well, today we are reviewing, uh, well, three flicks. uh, Malignant from James Wan. Kate, which is a little actioner that you can find with uh, Mary Elizabeth uh, Winstead Winstead on Netflix. And then Mm. our Cinetron pick, Clint, say the title because I forgot it again. Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. Mm -hmm. Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. Okay, Uh, so first up is Malignant, and uh, Malignant is about a woman who is uh, suffering from some issues, Mm -hmm. and there's there's some weird things happening around her, and suddenly she she starts to get uh, what what could best be described as visions of of people that are being murdered. And she doesn't know why she's seeing these by things. By a shadowy figure. By a shadowy figure. She doesn't know why she's seeing these things, but they are verified. These people are dying. Uh, and it's it's just kind of a, a, a weird little uh, kind of genre gumbo of a horror film from James Wan. Clint, what did you think of Malignant? Um, first off, I'm just going to go ahead and say spoilers for this. Oh, yeah. 100%. Um, There's no way to talk about this movie without spoilers. No. But – Man, I I was I saw the trailer for this film and I was like, oh, well, cool, that's cool. James Wan's got a new horror film mm-hmm. coming out. I like his movies a lot. I mean, his horror movies. Um, I think he's a really talented horror director. Um, and I saw the first trailer. I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. I don't know. Like, it looks kind of generic in a way. And so I, you know, I threw it on. I was like, oh, this would be enjoyable. Man, I was so blown. I love this movie so much. I haven't been this excited about a horror movie in so long mm-hmm. where like genuinely like freaking out at moments, like surprised me in ways I wasn't expecting. It took me back to when we were growing up, we would go to our friend John's mm-hmm. um, house or a grandmother's house like once a week and we would put on some old weird horror weird movie, horror movie yeah. like basket case dead alive dead alive uh, you yeah. know just the classic like stuff weird stuff and 
This instantly took me back to that. I felt like I was in that basement. Like, what am I watching right now? I'm like giddy. I was so excited (laughs) after watching this movie. And like, legitimately, this is one of my favorite movies of the year. Um, So before we go into it, really, what did you think about it? I, I, I was not confused by this movie, but the whole time I just felt like I did not know what was happening, Mm -hmm. but I say that in the best of ways. Yeah. It was such a a fun experience because this movie would shift tones. It would shift plot. It would shift. It all works. Yeah. It doesn't feel like it's a, it's not, it's not melded together. Yeah. It's it's, it's not messy or disjointed. It really works. It really sells its scares. mm -hmm. It really sells its weird. It really sells its laughs. It really sells its characters. It, It does a lot of heavy lifting that shouldn't work because of how bonkers it really gets, especially yeah. the last third of this movie is <laughs> it's out there. Oh, it's so it's crazy. Wonderful. It's so outlandishly um, fun. I it took me a minute. I didn't love it instantly because it took me a while yeah, me too. to to click into the fact that like, okay, this is really a throwback to to 70s horror, mm-hmm. to Italian horror, yeah. to that Italian uh Gallo or, or Gallo or yeah, yeah. whatever that is. Um, and, and it's, it's a very specific type of horror. It's meant to be over the top. It's meant to be more melodramatic. Mm-hmm. It's certainly meant to be more gory, yeah. uh, in a, in a very red yeah. way, if yeah. that makes sense. It's not that dark kind of clumpy blood. It's, it's a very rich, splashy kind of gore. And, and the whole thing just felt like such a perfect homage to those kind of films that as soon as I clicked that that's what was happening mm-hmm. and I got my footing, me too. Then I love that movie. Yeah. Second time I watched this, because that was very soon after the first. Yeah, I watched it the next day. From the beginning. Yep. Me too. And I, I think I was two days later. I watched it with Levi. I'm like, you have to watch this thing. I, that's what I did. I was like, my um, Jenny, my wife, I was like, I got to get her to watch this. And our friend <laughs> Jesse was coming over. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I, and she loves horror. So I was like, we got to watch this movie. I was like, I knew it would be a perfect thing for Jenny because there's very, she's very particular about horror. Yeah. Like, it can't be too over the top, like where it's going to really freak her out. It's got to have enough fun. And I was like, this is going to please her. And um, like what you were saying, like it it is an homage to all those things. And I think it's, there's so many times in like recent horror movie where they're trying to capture, you know, the film stock. They're trying to like recapture like, like how lo-fi the effects are and like you know, there's practical effects, but then most of the time they're doing it through CG and it never feels genuine. I feel like this is one of the best, like, continuations of horror and homages to horror at the same time where it's capturing the feeling of those horror movies, Mm -hmm. but also doing something new. And it's like, it's not trying to, like, replicate those movies. It's just like playing with those ideas and also, like, staying in the current time. So I, I feel like it is that's why I think it's such a great horror movie. And and those are the best kind of homages. Those are yeah. the best when they're not trying to replicate, they're trying to learn uh, or or there there is a certain replication and nod to the style itself, but the style is so varied that that's just the the palette you're using or just the paint you're using. What you're going to paint can be completely different mm-hmm. and and just the decisions this movie makes 
are are so batty and so honestly just bold. Yeah. Because this is not a movie that you make and, and are under any delusion that everybody's going to like this movie. Yeah. You have to know when making this that this is going to turn some people off. Mm-hmm. There are going to be people that don't get the tone. There are going to be people that think it's corny or or the twist isn't going to work for them or, or the effects or whatever else. But just to charge ahead with this level of confidence mm-hmm. and just to every single time I thought they were going to pull back, he just leaned I, in I know. Further. That's what I appreciated so much about it. it. It was constantly building towards that final climactic yep. scene and it – and every single scene is lending towards that. It's lending to the mystery of what is actually happening here. And um, I feel like everything tracks throughout it, yeah. like especially going the second time from the beginning, it's all there. Okay. And um, that's what's like why it pays off so well. It, it's not a twist. It's no. just a realization of what we've been watching the entire time. And the cool thing is clear up until that jail scene. Yeah. I I I had figured it out mm-hmm. and and it was it was solid but I just thought okay I know what they're doing. And that's literally what my brain said I know what they're doing. And then that jail scene hits. Yeah. And it it instantly just dawned on me I have no idea what they're doing. They're so far beyond what I could have put together in my brain or imagination and they're just going for it. And that scene, and and really all of it, it just turns into a, a, a just a slaughterhouse. Yeah, but it, it's like John I, Wick all of a sudden. But it, it but I'm laughing oh, out yeah. loud, and I'm wincing, and I'm I'm having all of these different reactions to it. And then on top of that, they're doing things with with some of the the psychology of the characters and what's mm-hmm. real or what's not real. And there's just there's a a lot to that last you know, 20, 30 minutes. I I just I was taken by the whole thing and loved it. And this is one I suspect I will come back to. Oh, me too. And just enjoy over yeah. the years because it's even even the second and third time I watched it, it was there was just something else I would pick up on or other other details or a lot of foreshadowing that oh, I missed. Oh, yeah. But also besides like the um the content and the um where the story's going, just like from a cinematography like point of view, there's some amazing shots in this. Like yeah. the whole thing, the beginning scene where she's like getting chased by the entity or whatever, and it's like the overhead view, and there's some like very like, um, uh, just like very old school horror like chase scenes through the house that are so beautiful. Um, and oh, when the camera pulls up and just hovers over the house, yeah, uh, it's it's the it's dollhouse a, style. Yeah, very yeah. much reminded me of of that shot in Kill Bill Volume One, mm-hmm. where it goes up and over the club. But that itself was was a a throwback to so many different movies of the '70s that would do that, where they just had these elaborate practical sets. And let's just who cares about being real? Let's just pull the camera up and right. move the camera and yeah. track our characters from room to room. And some very like Kubricky shots yeah. too, where like yeah. when, when she's getting chased and that whole chase sequence where he's chasing the killer in like down the fire escape. And then like they go into the underground of Seattle Yeah, and there's some amazing shots of like kind of backlit and like shadow. And you just see him like, Twisting and turning through all the debris and stuff—it's so eerie and cool the, looking. The twisting like, and turning, the oh, the anatomy movements, yeah. and that 
that stuff, there there were times, and especially the second time, I was just pausing and staring, honestly, trying to figure out how did they do that practical. shot. It's all practical. It's all practical. But just how did they, uh, you know, build the costuming and build that character? I mean, it, just just the way that movement is so unnatural. Yeah. They found this, <sighs> um, like, dancer, mm-hmm. and then she learned how to do all this stuff backwards and just had the mask on her head, the back yeah. of her head. and oh, so cool. Uh, it's so cool. Yeah. Um, and I, like you were saying, like, I, there's a lot of fun, like, psychology stuff, like that whole last sequence where she's trapped in her head and trying to break out. Yeah. And, uh, man, I, I had so much fun with this movie. Yeah, I really did. And it's it's you know there's there's not a lot of specifics on it because uh, as as far as my reaction because my reaction was so just guttural and and kind of primal mm-hmm. I just I I just watched and experienced this movie and yeah. enjoyed the experience and knew it it almost felt I know there's you know, the old cliche of this is a roller coaster ride. But that's what it feels like. It it feels like in your brain, you're suddenly I'm going left and suddenly I'm going up and now we're going for a loop. And and there's just this, this excitement to not knowing what's next. And it's happening so fast. And it's not just surprising or twisty. Mm-hmm. It's it it so shoves itself over the top of expectations. That yeah. It just uh, my brain was just endorphins for an hour and a half. Just. Yeah, like well, a little kid watching this. Thing. Well, like from the beginning, I, I mean, like the the malignant name, malignant. Um, like you know, so it's like it's like a tumor that like kind of is growing other parts of the human like teeth and stuff yeah. in it. So from the beginning, I'm going in thinking, okay, so like she has this tumor that kind of breaks off and becomes its own thing, yeah. and so. It was so much fun throughout just like piecing it together. Like, oh, are they going to do that? Or is like, okay, it's going in this direction now. And it gets to the moment, like moments where like, I feel like I've nailed it down, like you were saying. And then it gets to like, where I'm pretty confident in it, but then I'm like, they're not going to do it. And then they're not going to do it. They're going to like, it's going to be some other stupid twist or something. And they do do it. And they do something like that. That whole last fight sequence is so much further than I thought they would take. So long. Oh yeah. Not overlong. It just... That that is not a, a one hit thirty second beat of the film just to give you a wow. That's it's it's an extended sequence that just doesn't let up. Yeah. It just keeps pounding away. Uh and it it somehow keeps finding ways to get crazier. Yeah. And like just some of the I don't know what lens there was some like anamorphic lens he used mm-hmm. like during that whole thing where it's fish eyed and it's making the whole movements of her body so much stranger and like more violent and in such an interesting way. Yeah. It, and he didn't use it the whole time. So it was almost like it was very specific moments and it just like very uh like a visceral reaction to that. Yeah. Very quick, very brutal. Yeah. And really hits hit and it mm-hmm. just oof. Yeah, I I loved it. I I would highly recommend this to anyone with the caveat that it's not for everyone. Yeah. It's it's something I would totally understand somebody coming to this and just I have no idea what I just watched and I hated it. I get it. Um but this this was just this was movie uh, just dessert for me. It was just uh it was wonderful. But even like that like I feel like you could say you don't like it, but you can't admit that it's not a well-constructed movie. 
Like yeah. I feel like every piece is there and it holds it together. It's not yeah. just a movie based around a dumb twist no. that like an outlandish twist, like all the, yeah. I think every piece is there that lends towards that. And uh, it's very intelligently like put together. I, I really think the only thing you could really articulate that you don't like about this is the 70s style oh. or, or that Italian horror style. Because that is that is a very specific taste. So but I could get somebody who already hates that. Not but at the same this. time, I don't feel like it's that strong. Like a, of an a, like to me, it's not. It's very modern in the way it's shot and For like sure. in the music yeah. choices. It's not trying to emulate the movies from that. Maybe in structure and the tone of the acting, but like I don't. To me, it's not like a normal throwback movie where it's trying to emulate every part of it. And and I don't have any grand love of of that era or that style of horror movie. That's that's kind of further down my list. Seems like it would be more something you enjoyed like the I uh, not even thinking of but the old Dario Argento mm-hmm. kind of films and stuff. I could just never never got into them. Yeah. And people love them and I yeah. get why I can recognize they're they're well crafted and what they're doing. It's just that weird surreal dreamy style oh, doesn't work for I me. I really enjoy it. Um and this this doesn't have that uh well it does at times, but it it's doing its own thing. It it definitely is more modern. Yeah. I, I mean I it's not trying there. to do the like you know the that classic music from those or anything yeah. from that time period in filmmaking. Yeah. So I I feel like it just it's it's an homage to it, but it's not trying to replicate it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So definitely check out *Malignant*. I believe it's still on HBO Max. I think till um, like today. Till today. Yeah. Oh man, it won't yeah. be there when you hear this, but uh, I'm sure it'll be coming back and it'll be on Blu-ray soon. It's yeah, it's probably gonna hit Amazon well worth soon. Checking out because it was like an HBO. It's already up there as like uh, the twenty dollar in theater rental. So oh, as is soon it? as it okay. As soon as it comes out on Blu-ray, that's when it drops to six bucks yeah. or five bucks or whatever on Amazon. Our next movie is Kate, and that's on Netflix. And uh, the the basic plot is just uh, this this female assassin is uh, slipped a fatal poison on her final job, her final job, of course. And uh, she's in Tokyo, and she has less than twenty four hours to find out who ordered the hit and to exact her revenge. Clint, what did you think of Kate? You mean that was that's her last job? She doesn't have more work coming uh, up after that's that. Just what this says. It says on her final job. I didn't get that from the movie, but that's the plot synopsis. You mean after death, she's not going to be committing more assassinations? I, I guess. No, I, I, don't I don't know. What'd you, what'd you, what'd you think? <laughs> <laughs> what did you think you, of that one? You, what, <laughs> did, did you enjoy it, bud? <laughs> Um, uh, just just to let people in on a little secret here, when I first messaged you and said, "Okay, I watched this movie called Kate on Netflix," uh, you know, might be something that that we can talk about. You had just finished *Malignant*, and your response to me was, <laughs> "Does it have? <laughs> does, does it, it have a parasitic twin <laughs> attached to her head?" And I was like, "If not, I'm out." Yep. That's exactly what you yeah. said. And I and felt I said, that way entire like no, since. No, no, it, it doesn't have that. I've been so. disappointed with most movies since then. Okay. Um, so Kate, I well, I I I really enjoy um Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Mm-hmm. I think she's great. Um and so that I had that going into it. Um but 
overall, it was okay. It was fine. I I think the action is pretty strong in it. Mm-hmm. I think the um, it's I think it's just as good as the John Wick movies or anything, mm-hmm. and I, even more interesting to me because like I get really um, fatigued by just the constant gun violence in that. It's not interesting. Um, so this had a good mix of you know. Mm-hmm knife fights and just martial art fighting and um some guns thrown in there but um it was fun from that angle i think the story's pretty weak it's i mean it's kind of a good it's kind of like in that um cranked kind of universe where it's Mm -hmm. like oh i only have this long to live before my heart explodes so i gotta go do this thing and it's like Okay, you're like dying from cancer in this, and you're pot like giving yourself adrenaline shots, and that's what's keeping you going. Um, you I can't th- think real hard about this movie. No, I think she it does. A, she apart. does a really good job of selling it, mm-hmm. um, but the, those kind of premises like kind of lose me. Like it's just like too, such a stretch. And I think if this was more maybe in that cranked way where it is over the top and crazy, but this was a little over serious. Um, and then were the twists of the story by the end, I, I was just like, this was unnecessary. <laughs> um, but I think some of the action is pretty fun. what do you think? Did you ever watch Gunpowder Milkshake? We no. talked about it. No. Um, I wish you could take this movie and just mash it together with Gunpowder Milkshake. Yeah. Because Gunpowder Milkshake had more of that over the top tone and more of that kind of comic book mm-hmm. ludicrousness to yeah. it. But its action was very stilted, okay, and and just didn't feel smooth. Yeah, Kate, I the action was just really tight. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I was really impressed. The um, oh, what scene is that? Is that a bathhouse or somewhere where she goes in and it's that knife fight? Uh, or no, it's she just, just runs a, through a bathhouse. Yeah, okay, was it but the it was in the in middle the... of that all white roomed kind of gunfight where you have the the blood splashing on all these kind of white okay. walls and white desks. Uh, there just scenes like that. Yeah. Straight out of John Wick. Yeah. Uh, could have been in John Wick 4 and you would have been just as impressed with the action of it. But I agree with you. It, it mixes things up a lot more. It reminded me of John Wick 3 in that way. I felt like John Wick 3 had gotten a little bored of the, the gun, 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 mm. gun and started to mix it up. This does really well with that, but you're right. The the story is is over serious. I I enjoyed it. It's it's certainly uh, of all the actioners that yeah. that Netflix kind of has been putting up over the last year or two. There was that one polar with uh, Mads Milk Mickelson, and mm. uh, that one I particularly disliked. Uh, this this is probably one of the better ones it's put up, but yeah. just because it's 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 a decent flick from from start to finish, I was not surprised. Yeah, there was there was no part of me that was in any way shocked by the villain. Uh, the the minute there's yeah. there's one scene early on where there's this exchange between her and who turns out to be the villain, and instantly I'm like, he's come back, he's a bad guy. Yeah, just knew <laughs> like here, don't you want this orange soda? Like bad guy, bad guy. Uh, but it, it, you know, it, I, I think it felt like it was kind of, uh, hiding its magic tricks a little better than it was. 
Um, yeah. Well, I for another thing going against it for me was I really could not stand the girl who she Oh, the teenage girl. Yeah, the teenage yeah. girl. I like just she was obnoxious. And I don't even know if it was her or so much the writing they gave for her. Like it was somebody like pretending to be a teenage girl yep. who was trying to write these lines like, "Oh, a teenage girl would say this really cool line, yep. like, "Oh, you're such like a, a badass bitch or whatever." And it's just like I don't in this situation would she be like this at all? Like she's like trying to like her entire family is trying to kill her and like she's just playing it cool, like, oh man, you're so cool for killing all these people. And if they were going for the serious tone, it would have been so much better if this was an introverted kid who had really been affected by the assassination of her father all those years ago. Especially early on, she's kind of yep. is so that first scene. Yep. And and had they played that, then I think I would have been more on board with yeah. the seriousness because then it would have been this you know, surrogate child, surrogate mother scenario uh, that would have that would have had a harder edge, and and I think it would have been more believable. This is again, you've you've mentioned it with different movies, but if it would have just gone a little harder in either direction, yeah, either go more serious and really make this something, uh, you know, it doesn't have to go as far as uh, what was the Joaquin Phoenix. That's what um, I was just about to say. Like that movie uh, goes super serious. What is that movie called? Um, I th- never really there. Yeah. I was never really there. I think something like yeah. that. It's a great movie. I, but yeah. It, it really it leans, leans into super hard. This is serious. This yeah. is the real world. Yeah. It's um, like one of these movies, if it actually happened yeah. and like, if this was a sat an assassin running yeah. around doing this, this is how people would react to it. But yeah, to go go further in that direction or to really go, which is what Gunpowder Milkshake was trying to do, which is just the really over the top. This is a, a weird graphic novel, very pulpy kind of, you know, it's it's not meant to feel real. Um, if it had gone more in that direction, I think I would have enjoyed it. Both yeah, because this tries to hint at it almost like kind of that uh, Japanese neon soaked mm-hmm. like landscape and like in that um kind of a little bit cyberpunky, you know, mm-hmm. the, the way like Japanese, um, like the, just the city looks, yeah. um, but it doesn't go do anything really fun with it. Yeah. This has one of the worst car wrecks I've ever seen Which car wreck where she that? steals the car, like right after getting poisoned. Yeah. And it's the most CG car ever. And yeah, it's just it didn't look good. like she wrecks and flips like something ugh. went wrong in the shoot of that they either thought they would have a much better effect or they they were missing a shot and had to make up for it or there was something that felt very rushed because most of the film looks very uh, yeah. polished yeah but yeah i that really stood out and and even the physics of it were just wonky it was really bad yeah yeah. So, I mean, you know, you're already subscribed to Netflix. It's it's, it's better terrible. than most of the yeah. things that, that they just kind of throw on yeah. there. Uh, it's a good rainy day kind of flick or a, oh, I just found out I have COVID. What am I going to watch for the next three days? Yeah, squeeze Kate in there. I, well, but, I honestly think Mary Elizabeth Winstead does such a good yeah. like she. I I want to see her yeah. in an Alien reboot as oh, the Ripley character. Wow! Like especially in this, she's running around with that green coat on. Like yep. she looks like Ripley. I have never wanted an Alien reboot until you just said that sentence. Maybe not she a reboot. Really, I know like, what you mean though. Yeah. But just just something she would fill where that role so well. Yeah. Oh yeah, that would be. She's she's a very accomplished actress. Yeah, I enjoy when she pops up in things, and mm-hmm. um, I wish I wish she would get some. You know, she's probably I, I guess in that B level of actress. I wish she would get a lister work, and she does sometimes. But I wish she was just consistently getting uh, some some flashier, bigger projects. 
Uh, even when she was in the the Harley Quinn flick, she's kind of shoved to the side as a side character. And I feel like she's always coming in as a side character. And yeah. I, I think she could hold much more than that. Well, I mean, it's cool. Like, I mean, maybe she likes that level because like maybe. she gets to do cool stuff like Fargo yeah. and stuff because she was really yeah. good in that. Yeah. And she got to do a lot with yeah. like Hugh McGregor. I mean, she's dating Hugh McGregor now. Really? Yeah. They're like together. Oh. Yeah. Okay. This is a side. <laughs> maybe maybe she'll play baby Luke in the Obi-Wan series. That was Clint's pop culture second. <laughs> there you go. Um, sure. Uh, our, our final movie is our Cinetron pick, and it is Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. And it is lifelong friends Barb and Star embark on the adventure of a lifetime when they decide to leave their small Midwestern town for the first time ever. And Barb and Star are played by Kristen Wiig and Annie, how do you say her last name? Mimolo? 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 Mimolo. Mimolo. Sure. Uh, Clint, what did you think of Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar? Um, well, first off, I really love saying the name. It, okay. it, it it cracks me up. I think okay. that's my favorite part about this movie. <laughs> Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. Um, actually, I did not dislike this movie. I, I think it was pretty fun. I mean, it's not a great comedy. There's moments in it that are kind of fun. Um, I I mean, I always like a Christian wig. I was really surprised that it goes like so kind of like Austin Powers-y. Like mm-hmm. it has an Austin Powers. Like it's very big in like the comedy. And I was, I kind of enjoyed it was like seeing like a female led um, movie that's like this big. Usually they're more reserved and they're like romantic, like, you know, like Bridesmaids or something where it's very, it's it's funny, but it's more grounded in a real life situation. And, and this is more very broad characters. It feels like this could be like, I don't think it is, but it could be like SNL characters that were um, brought that's to life. That's what it feels like. Like, but I don't think that they ever did them on SNL. I don't remember them on SNL, but it it feels like an SNL sketch turned into a movie. Yeah, especially with like the kind of plot to destroy Vista Del Mar, the 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 very Austin Powers evil yeah. villain character. I was not expecting that. Um, some of that was kind of fun. This has one of my like pet peeves in comedy which is when like okay this also stars jamie dornanen dornan 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 from um what was that show um the the serial killer the fall the fall and he's great in that i think he's a good actor but when a comedy brings in a non-comedic actor Mm -hmm. as kind of the straight man but then they give him comedic things to do Mm -hmm. and he's and they can't pull it off completely yeah. and like then it just becomes the joke of like look at this buff man doing these stupid dances rather than like just fill it with a comedic actor yeah like what is like why can't we just have all funny people in this why do we need this straight man like non-comedic actor in there it it works sometimes the yeah. female-led ghostbusters when chris hemsworth comes in yeah that's what's happening there but he has comedy chops yeah and is extremely funny and honestly, way better than that movie. But, uh, you know, that's a time where it works. This 100% agree with you. Did not. Like the movie MacGruber does it too. But like it's like Val Kilmer as the villain and he he can pull it off. And the, what's his name? Um, I can't remember his name who plays the other agent in that. But 
it works so good. It works good in that because MacGruber is so comedic yeah. or so like cartoony and um, out there that it kind of needs it like to have like grounded in a little bit away, but a little bit. But this, I, I just feel like it was unnecessary. Why Why couldn't we just throw, I don't know, like a Will Forte in there or something? Yeah. Um, so, you know, what did you think of this? I know kind of what you're probably going to say. I dislike this movie so <laughs> intensely. I don't have the words for it. I hated this movie, Clint. Really? I just... There was nothing fun. You didn't no, enjoy it? No. I didn't laugh one time. Really? I I just... I And, and I was already bitter that Sinatron gave us this thing. <laughs> I really was. But the whole time I'm watching it, I just... This, this is why I didn't want to watch this movie. Yeah. This is exactly what I thought this movie would be. It feels like an SNL sketch... That back in the the 90s when there were just all kinds of mm -hmm. SNL movies where we've got this five-minute bit that would be funny. Mm -hmm. but we're going to stretch it out into a feature-length movie. That was one of my 90s pet peeves. Yeah. And having just come out of like 94 and thinking about the 90s and watching all these 90s movies, this is what this felt like to me. It felt like this very 90s style yeah. sketch comedy, let's turn it into a feature film. I think I kind of just enjoyed maybe seeing like something like that get made again because it's been a while. Just I thought that was kind of interesting. I don't think it's a great movie, but I was like, oh, it's kind of thrown back to, you know, an Austin Powers or something. Can I pitch you the movie that would have worked for me? Okay. All right. It's got Kristen Wiig. Yeah. Is 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 uh is she star? Barb or star? She's star. She's star. It's got Kristen Wiig as star. Mm -hmm. Okay. But instead of this Annie woman, okay. <laughs> I think that's a package deal. No, no, no. Hear me out. It's Bill Hader <laughs> as a cross dresser named Barb. This exact movie. I think you would get tired of that joke. No. No. Yeah, you would. This exact movie, but with Bill Hader and Kristen Wiig, I would. I, I I possibly would have been on board. If he could do like Louis Anderson in Baskets, yep. where it's totally believable, like yep. in that show, I, I, I completely forget about it. Yeah. If he could do that and it's not just the joke that he's cross-dressing. Yep. See, and I wouldn't make a joke at all. I would never have anybody notice it or point it out or it's just, it's yeah, just, but it's can, just who he is. But is, he you know? would have to be able to pull it off. Yes, he would have to have the character down, but but I I wouldn't want a single joke at, at the expense. Yeah. I would just like it if that's that's that character mm -hmm. because these two characters drove me up the wall, and I had no hook other than my love for Kristen Wiig, and it just honestly it only went so far because mm. um, generally I I really enjoy Kristen Wiig's performances, and she can get a laugh out of me, but this was just. It was grating. It was. <laughs> I didn't love it. I I, I just yeah. like did like I was like it was on, <laughs> it was on the television, and I watched all of it, yeah. and I was like, oh, okay. It was like oh, I saw that. It wasn't. I hate. I didn't hate it. Yeah. Yeah. I pretended you were in my movie room, and I kept looking over and glaring at you, <laughs> and just in the hopes that you felt it at home. And like I, I kind maybe, I knew maybe, maybe you... Jenny would get a chill, and she's like, "What's that?" And you would be like, "That's skin." Ken's upset. <laughs> I knew you were upset from the beginning when it landed on yeah, us. So. Yeah, I, I, like I said last time, this was a movie I swore. I mean, I, I literally swore I will never watch that movie, and I would have wrestled that off of the Cinetron list had I known it was on there. Because oh, I'm not even going to tell you what's on there then. Oh man, <laughs> I just. Oh man, I, I, I think Cinetron does better by you than by me. Uh, so malignant. High recommend or, or uh, it's it's 
fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kate, you know, if you got nothing else to watch, there's there's stuff there to enjoy. And Barb and Star, if uh, if you were somebody that that really digs uh, the kind of stuff Clint digs. Uh, I, I I know. Don't what do you mean? It. I don't like Austin. I'm not saying I like movies like this. You were just shrugging and like you know, it's 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 watchable. I, it is. It's I'm not. not saying I. These aren't comedies that I generally will lean towards. I'm not. But I'm not putting words in your mouth. I'm just. You are. I'm just trying to say. <laughs> you're trying. Saying, to, if you love movies like Clint does, because he loves this movie. I didn't say, say I love that. this movie. Yes, I you said, did. If you tend to feel. What Clint feels about movies, then you you may enjoy. This. I think it's a watchable comedy. Okay. Like there's some laughs in there, but it's not horrible. If you tend to disagree with Clint and agree with me, then you will find this comedy. You're unwatchable. very picky about comedy. Very, very. Like, I'm I'm a comedy snob. Really, I, I am. am too. But I feel like I there's a broader. Yeah. Like I, I don't know. I can. Mine. It, it, I'm very forgiving of comedies in a way. I'm not. I mean, it. If it doesn't grab me and, and really make me laugh or or entertain me in very specific ways, it just it. If it loses me in the first 15 minutes, I have a very hard time hmm. getting back on board with a comedy. Um, what is your favorite comedy? Uh, see, traditional comedy like this. Oof. I can tell you. Comedies I like. I like okay, you know, Rushmore. I, say, I like uh, uh, Crazy Stupid Love. Uh, but none of those are straight Like a movie that's – that's right. That's what I mean. Like a movie that set out to be a comedy. 21 Jump Street cracked me up. But yeah. that's an action comedy. Um, I'm just trying to like have a frame of reference. I'm scrambling because <laughs> it's possible I just don't like regular comedies. Yeah. Um, I mean Groundhog Day is yeah. – is, you know, there's, but all of them have a hook. There's not just. I mean, this has a hook too. I like, I like Austin Powers, the first two. Okay. Um, I haven't watched them in a long time, but I was just, I'm just curious. I, just the fact that when you say what's your favorite comedy, and my brain goes blank, mm-hmm. tells you exactly how I react to comedies. Usually, uh, it's usually the movies that have comedic elements that are my comedies. Things that just set out to be a comedy. Um, like, do you like the, like the Christopher Guest films, like Mighty Wind or like? They're okay. Like, okay. I recognize that they're fun. I'll laugh. They're funny. They're well made. Because I'd say they yeah. set out to just be a comedy, but they're not. Yeah. Like, um, the, the, the purest comedy that I really, really liked recently was What We Do in the Shadows. Um, you haven't even watched the show yet, though. No, I know. I'm, See, I'm not a real fan. No. But, but. That sort of absurdist, uh, almost, you know, modern day Monty Python, that always mm-hmm. gets me. Mm-hmm. And what we do in the shadows has that very particular feel to it. Uh, basically, that humor style, anything Taika and that whole crew does mm-hmm. uh, cracks me up. But I, yeah, even if you go and look at my shelves, I have very few comedies. Yeah. I'm just, I'm not a joyful person. I like dark, <laughs> scary, weird, but not funny. Yeah. Not funny. Okay. Okay. I, so basically, <laughs> Uh, 99% of you will agree with Clint and you'll just think this movie is, you know, whatever Clint's thinking right now. It's watchable. Uh, it's watchable. It's like, it's, it's unoffensive. <laughs> it is. It's a movie. <laughs> no, I mean, as far as like a, a com like straight comedy movie, like it's okay. It's not going to blow your mind. All right. I'm not attacking your kitten. I'm just attacking this weird no. comedy. I know, but you, <laughs> my point is you're saying like, 
Clint loved this movie, and you, if you love what Clint loves, you'll love this. This has been episode 39 <laughs> of Marriage Fights. We hope you enjoyed listening to our little spat. Uh, no, uh, Barb, Barb and Star, it's, it's a fantastic laugh. Right? <laughs> I'm not trying to make you say that. I'm just trying to get you not to put words in my mouth. That's all. Because all right. they don't taste very good. Ken. Clint has no opinion on this film. I find it unwatchable. He finds it watchable. If you like what Clint likes, watch it because you'll find it watchable. I don't know. I'm just trying to close out the episode. I think we need to go to Cynetron. All right. Let's go to Cynetron. Ken, this is this will be pretty fun, I think. Okay. It landed on well, you know, horror, Halloween's coming up soon. I, I am aware of All Hallows Eve. <laughs> <laughs> well, it landed on fifty years of horror. Fifty years of horror. So, um, I'm guessing we're do '60s, '70s, '80s, and the aughts. Or you skipped the '90s in well, there. Well, the '90s, That's forty too. years of horror. Well, we just did so 90s. much '90s stuff. So I, I yeah. so '60s, '70s, '80s, '90s, '90s knots. So okay, so what do we? Does it give any instructions, or are we just supposed to kind of come up with what to do on that? My guess is we're going to pick a movie to represent that year. Okay, I like that, and we'll just go through and talk about those movies. So we'll both watch. We'll pick kind of a a you know kind of classic from the '60s, and we'll both watch yeah. that, and we'll both watch a classic from the '70s and on. Yeah. Okay, and then we can also talk about just other movies in that that decade, or what makes that decade special with horror and yeah maybe we can like each it. make a top five to, for that decade i like that i like that but we can, we can figure it out so we'll we'll do something fun and we'll do something spooky but it's it's going to be an all horror episode and uh, i'll just have flashbacks to my pandemic run of horror movies so great pick Cenatron. really really coming after me i see how this goes but it's better than barb and star hmm Maybe you'll put that on the list as a horror movie. It's getting there. I feel like that was more horrifying it's, for you than... It tears apart relationships <laughs> is what it does. Professional and personal just relationships. Just don't put words in my mouth, Ken. Okay? I'm, I'm not. I'm just saying you want a pod divorce. I get it now. I see I see what you've been saying between... Well, you've been potting behind my back, so you're going to go <laughs> go off with your I new friend. Pod behind your yeah, back? You did. Oh, Clint. Clint, 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 Being Clint, replaced. Clint. No, none of that. Don't worry. Don't you worry, Clint. <laughs> this little spat won't tear us apart. All right. This has been episode 39 of Cinebabble. Thanks, as always, for listening. Uh, as always, you can uh, find us at cinebabblecast.com. You can find us at Cinebabble on Facebook or Instagram. And you can email us at contact at cinebabblecast.com. You can also message us at Instagram. Keep those questions coming. I, I enjoy, Yeah, the questions are fun. Yeah, they're, they're fun. I enjoy mailbag segments, and it gives us something else to talk about other than uh, what we've been watching. So good times. I like mm -hmm. it. Uh, maybe 
don't pack five questions into your email, or maybe we'll be more selective, but it was fun. I enjoyed it. No, it was fine. Yeah, it was fun. I don't know. Maybe if we get enough questions, we can just do a whole mailbag episode sometime. Yeah. I love questions. So, all right. I love answers, Ken. (laughs) It's because you think you have them all. So this has been episode 39 of Cinebabble. Uh, You kids have a good week full of kittens and well-calibrated TVs. Bye, Ken. Bye, Quinn.